So we usually start the podcast talking about something related to the film that we're, we're discussing that week. Um, this week we're doing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So Nick, have you ever faked a mental illness to avoid getting into trouble, to avoid getting arrested? No. How about you? No. Welcome to Film Swap, the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reason. I'm Nick Vole. And I'm Angelica Thornton, and this week we're talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. What can you tell me about why you've been sent over here? (laughs) They think you've been faking it in order to get out of your work detail. Do I look like that kind of guy to you, Doc? Medication time. Mmm, yummy. Do you want to say something to the group, Mr. McMurphy? Not a thing, Doc. I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science. Want to watch the ball game? Baseball? I only count nine votes, Mr. McMurphy. I want that television set turned on! The team! Nurse, man. Sit down. He's dangerous. Hey, what the hell is going on here? Oh, How about it, you creep, you lunatic? <laughs> you think you're crazy or something? Well, you're not. You're not. Okay, so we picked this as our second Oregon movie month film. Last week, we did Zero Effect, which I loved. Um, We broke the rules this time because neither of us has seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Right, Nick? No, I've never seen it. It's one of those movies where I knew the beats of the movie because it is such a pop culture icon, but I've never seen it. Right. Uh, Who cares, though, that we broke the rules because it's our podcast, our rules, right? And uh, this is good timing because we've talked about this before. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is being considered um, by the Oregon legislature right now as the official movie of Oregon. So we'll talk about whether we think that's a good idea in a couple minutes. Um, It's House Resolution 14, in case anyone wants to dig a little deeper into that. Uh, Or maybe we could post a link on the Film Swap Facebook page because it's pretty interesting when you open up the bill, the resolution. Okay, so here's a synopsis of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's a 1975 film based on Ken Kesey's 1962 best-selling novel. It's set in 1963. The main character is Randall or R.P. McMurphy, played by Jack Nicholson, who gets transferred for a mental uh, evaluation from a prison farm to the Oregon State Hospital. He was convicted, we find out, for statutory rape of a 15-year-old girl. He's 38. She was 15. He says that she told him she was 18. So he thinks he's scoring here with this move. Uh, He doesn't want to do manual labor, and he assumes it will be like a less restrictive environment at the state hospital. But Nurse Ratchet, played by uh, Louise Fletcher, runs the psychiatric ward with an iron fist. She controls the patients through abuse, medication, sessions of electroconvulsive therapy, and then their battle of wills. Um, ends up impacting all of the ward's patients. Obviously, like Nick 
mentioned, it's a very famous film. So if you haven't seen it, you probably know a lot about it. Always on the list of greatest films of all time. It was the first film since It Happened One Night back in 1934 to win all five of the top Oscars. So Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, uh, Miloš uh, Foreman, and Screenplay. This was co-produced by a young Michael Douglas, which I did not know. I did didn't you know, know that? that? I, I did not know that. that. Interesting. And it was filmed almost exclusively at the actual Oregon State Hospital. Uh, the building doesn't exist anymore. And I think also Depot Bay. Mm-hmm. They filmed in Depot Bay. So why hadn't you seen it yet? Uh, you know, it gets back into those movies that are, came out before I was born. Um, it's a heavy topic. And also, again, through like pop culture, I felt like I knew the movie because I I knew the plot points, you know, I've seen so many parodies of it. Uh, I just kind of knew, you know, so I, I thought I knew. So I didn't I didn't watch it. Yeah, sort of the same with me. Um, in fact, I couldn't remember if I had seen it because we've seen clips so many times and we've heard people talking about it so much. That I'm like, maybe I have seen it. But when it started rolling, I knew I hadn't seen it yet. And I kind of feel like um, maybe I was waiting, waiting for the right time because it is so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the perfect time though. 47 years later, I was one, one when this came out. So, um, I hadn't read the book either. Had you read the book? No. Okay. So, um, Ken Kesey is this dyed in the wool Oregonian, um, arguably Oregon's greatest novelist. Um, I want to read the book now after watching the film so I can do a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the themes and ideas in the book. Um, So one of the things that I can't talk about is, do you like the book or the movie? A lot of people talk about that when they talk about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So neither of us will have to do that today. So there you go. Uh, What did you think, Nick? It was fine. I mean, it was fine. It was just fine. I thought it was kind of boring at times. Uh, I thought it was kind of repetitive at times, you know, the attempted breakouts and then you know, I, I was really excited to see the Nurse Rashid character. She's one of the most famous movie villains of all time. And this is going to sound weird, but I didn't think she was that bad. I feel like some of the things pinned on her are were the system, the, you know, the electroshock therapy. That's not her decision. That's what they did then. The taking of medication, all you know, that that's standard stuff. Like, you know, she wasn't loving or supportive in the way that you'd want these people to be, but... I didn't think she was as bad as pop culture has made her out to be. Oh, you sympathize with Nurse Ratchet. That's I surprising. It, you know what helps is I think Louise Fletcher is an attractive woman. And I like you know with the hair, the yeah. weird hair and the whole thing. No, I, I just think like she she isn't great, but she's part of a system that existed and that she was doing what she thought yeah. was the best thing. And I read an interesting thing that Milos Foreman originally when he was they were translating this envisioned her as like the epitome of evil when he met Louise Fletcher and cast her and the way she played it, he realized a better way for that character to be played was to be someone who thought they were doing good work. It wasn't trying to be evil was trying to be good, but just wasn't good at it. And and that's kind of like the whole banality of evil concept. You know, it's just normal people doing things that negatively impact others almost obliviously. Like she thinks she's helping them. Yeah. I loved it. I'm surprised by how much I loved it. I think 
Nurse Ratchet as a villain is such a great villain because she's not that cliche, just pure evil. Totally. She, the, the the reason she's such a great villain to me is that she can't tap into her humanity. She's too rigid. And so she's going to follow the rules no matter how much it impacts people. Um, she is like someone who worked at Auschwitz to me. Mm -hmm. Like she's told this is the thing to do and she's going to do it no matter what, even when she knows it's not the right thing to do. And that's what is so scary about Nurse Ratchet? Like you cannot break through to her humanity. Mm -hmm. So she did such a great job as an actress of giving us that I'm here and I'm representing everyone and equity. Everyone here gets a vote on whether we're going to we're going to watch the World Series. Even the people who can't sit up and can't talk and don't know what's going on. So this is this is goodness to her. This is um, I'm doing the right thing. I'm taking care of all of my patients. And she did that over and over again. So then you start to say, okay, maybe she's not that bad after all. And then she turns on you and she manipulates Billy to the point where he slits his throat with a piece of glass. She drove him to do that. That's and true. you could tell she had manipulating him all along and making him feel guilty about his mother. And just when she needed that tool, she pulled it out and he killed himself. And that's it. And then, you know, she just moves on. Um, so she was chilling and great acting from her too. I mean, we always hear about Jack Nicholson in this role as um, McMurphy, but she was incredible. I thought she was. And, and as you mentioned, so, you know, you can see underneath her face, what she's saying versus how she maybe is feeling like she does a really great job of kind of conveying that inner mm -hmm. turmoil just with her face and little mannerisms. So yeah, the, the acting was fantastic. Louise Fletcher, definitely deserve this Oscar. And it's kind of a shame she got typecast into this kind of role after this. Um, you know, yeah, she, what did she do after? Nothing I great. She, I yeah. guess she turned down a couple of good movies and chose poorly, like the sequel to the exorcist and, oh. you know, some, uh, she was another very similar character in a movie in the eighties. Um, she was an interesting story too, because she had been a soap opera daytime television type actor in the fifties, got married to a producer, retired to have kids and then this was sort of her comeback vehicle. Um, I can see her doing soaps. You can you could see that slow zoom into her face and some of her um, facial expressions would be perfect in those overly dramatic. You know, I mean, they, some of the camera moves in this film were interesting. Mm -hmm. well, um, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what did you think of Jack Nicholson's acting? I mean, he was good. He was a perfect asshole. I mean, that's what his character was. And that's one of the reasons I feel like Nurse Ratched gets maybe like kind of a bad rap a little bit because it's not like so. Yes, her behavior towards, you know, harmless people is very bad. Right. But Jack Nicholson is a terrible guy. He just is a terrible. He's a rapist who is constantly provoking the other inmates to rebel against their care and is always causing trouble for the staff, even the staff who aren't cruel, like Washington, that character. So he's great at it. That, that's the question you asked me. He's great in his role for sure. I mean, he's got that Jack Nicholson grin, which works perfectly with, you know, bad guys. Yeah, no, it is great. I mean, I think it doesn't get any better than his acting and her acting in this film. I thought they were both extraordinary. Um, I was thinking when I was watching, they might be the best, two of the best performances that we've talked about since we started doing this podcast. I just thought they were both fantastic. And the supporting cast was excellent too. Yeah. 
A lot I mean, of future stars and yeah, Danny DeVito, uh, Christopher Lloyd as Tabor. This was his first film. Um, Will Sampson, the guy who played Chef. Um, even William Redfield as Harding or Hard On, as McMurphy kept calling him, he was great because that was like a, a pretty complex character for someone in, in a mental institution who seemingly was totally normal at one second and just off the charts the next. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did a good job of portraying people with various mental illnesses um, in a in a nuanced way, and for the most part in a non-offensive way, especially yeah. when you consider when this this film was made. And Brad Dourif um, was amazing in this, and he was nominated for an Oscar for this, um, and he played Bibbit Billy. Yeah. So um, I did read um, that the National Alliance on Mental Health hates this film. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the the group called it the most damaging piece of film created for the psychiatric community ever. Um, and saying it's because of its negative portrayal of mental health facilities, over-dramatizing patient treatment, like the brutal representation of electroconvulsive therapy. But, you know, I was reading that and I thought, well, it is what it is. And, and that's obviously a very biased position that they take. And historically, there have been so many problems with facilities like this. Yeah. I mean, electroshock therapy was cruel torture and it happened yeah. widely. I mean, we used to lock people away and forget about them forever mm -hmm. in the 60s and the 70s, uh, you know. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't I didn't come away from this film thinking, oh, wow, that was pretty brutal as far as the way it portrayed mental illness. I mean, I'm not an expert, so we can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. But no, I'm I'm with you. I, I didn't feel like it was unfair to anyone. I mean, I think it would made it pretty clear that the way. Nurse Ratchet was behaving was wrong and that the way that the system works to do the electroshock therapy is wrong. Um so I guess I didn't feel like it was a, some stinging indictment on yeah. health. So let's talk about McMurphy a little more because I agree with what you said. He's clearly this self-absorbed asshole who rapes a 15-year-old, regardless of whether he thought she was 15 or not. Creepy, gross. But I kind of like the way he sort of transformed during the film. He comes in as this disruptive, you know, nonconformist rebel, badass um, selfishly there to avoid working at the prison farm. He's wearing jeans. Everyone else is wearing like the uniforms or the, the patient garb that they are required to wear. But then he starts to form relationships with the other patients. And I feel like on a level wants to help them. And you see him slowly transform, like his street clothes start coming off and he becomes one of the patients. Right. Um, and then he does all these things that have you know, that start with selfish intentions, like watching the World Series, going fishing, getting laid, all of these things that he gets other people into trouble with. But I also think he questions whether any of the other patients are insane. And he becomes angry when he finds out that many of them are there voluntarily. They're not involuntarily committed like him. And I think he actually wants to wake them up. Like, I think there's good intentions in McMurphy. And you start to see that with his relationship with Chief, for example. Mm -hmm. That, to me, was the best relationship in the film. Sure. And when Chief trusts him to let him in on his secret that he can speak and hear, for sure. I just question how much of his behavior was altruistic. 
versus his desire to cause trouble because he knows that riling them up and getting them to be independent will make life harder for Nurse Ratchet. And I think he takes glee in sticking it to her or sticking it to the system. Do you know what I mean? And perhaps those 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 aims don't have to be mutually exclusive. He can he can stick it in their faces while still also taking an active interest in his fellow detainees' lives or yeah. whatever. But I, I just don't know that it's it's as simple as that. And, and then to the film's credit, I mean, it's it's not it's not simple. Like there are so many questions when when he has the opportunity during that blowout. I don't even want to call it a party. It's just a disaster where everyone's drunk and there's, you know, just the place is a disaster. They're going to get caught. And he has the opportunity to go out the window with the chief and cut to the scene where he's on the floor. And you think for a second, did he fall asleep? Did he pass out? And then I rewound it and saw the look on his face. And I, I think he made the conscious decision to stay there. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think so too. And I don't think he did it because he lost hope just because he lost hope for himself. I think he felt bad leaving everyone behind. I no, don't know. You got, yeah, got scared too. The, what does it mean when I leave? Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I can see that as well. Um, it's like, it's almost like you learn to love your cage in a way when you're a prisoner, which is what, yeah. what he is. Yeah. Um, the, uh, how, I guess I also kept having trouble believing how easily he got people in and out all the time. Yeah, that was the least secure mental health facility. That's what I was. Yeah, ever. exactly. He escapes on the bus and then he convinces uh, the orderly to open up the window. Yeah. So it, they get on a bus and they do they not follow them to the bay where they get on a boat easily, all of them. And like just there's no hurdles for them between the state hospital and the open ocean. That was crazy. And the one I mean, they end up with a helicopter hovering over them. Like, where were you guys? How'd yeah. you let all these guys get out onto the ocean? It seems like somebody could just run out to their car and follow the, yeah. Make a phone call. Well, there was that one guy who said, please don't get on the boat. That's about it. Right. And then he pretended that they were all doctors. And of course you zoom in on all their faces and they did a pretty good job of looking serious and not insane for that moment. I mean, there's no value, I guess, in really probing into the reality of the movie. But I feel like at that point, he would have gone to jail or a more secure facility, right? I mean, there's got to be more secure facilities than this one. So then they have the meeting, right, with the different doctors and consultants. Yeah. And then Nurse Ratchet is like, well, we can't just pass our problem on to someone else. That was evil Nurse Ratchet wanting to make McMurphy's life hell. She knows he's not insane. She wants him to stay there because she wants to drive him crazy. I suppose that's... Uh, like a real professional would say, yeah, he's not. He's just screwing with us. Let's send him back to prison. Nope. She's like, he's mine now. I'm going to fuck with this guy as long as I can. Or, or... And it worked. Or it worked. she thinks to herself as someone who thinks she can help him, I'm not going to give up on this. I'm going to, I'm going to help this guy. I'm not saying that's what she's saying. I'm just no, different ways I, to look at yeah, it. Yeah, I, oh, I agree with you because there are certain points in the movie where there, the area of whether McMurphy is insane or just criminal are definitely blurred. There are so many points where you're like, okay, he is crazy. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has a, what an oppositional, what the disorder where you just automatically knee jerk against authority. 
Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I'm, this is some amateur psychologist here, but I really like to play amateur psychologist. So this is, this was kind of fun for me. Um, I was diagnosing my coworkers and friends. It's great. I am. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, um, the subtleness of her, control over him and everyone else was just genius in my opinion i loved it um what else haven't we talked about well i just wonder you know they're they, they talk about her being passive aggressive or many different things about her being cruel and all that and then i just wonder what is the what is the alternative like especially in the way that the mental health system was then versus now and i don't know how it is I'm not an expert, as we talked about, but I'm asking, what is the alternative? Shouldn't people who are maybe a danger to themselves be controlled a little bit? Because that's why they're there. I guess, what is the alter? What does it look like for her to be like a perfect nurse? Yeah, I don't I don't have an answer to that. But I also I also can see how someone in her position could easily see how there is no harm in turning on a World Series game and letting them watch some baseball. For sure. So the little things like that where you're like, what the hell? What that that isn't going to impact someone. Oh, well, her excuse was the schedule's going to be thrown off. Yeah. But but there may be the but again, maybe that actually is a thing for people who are very like you think about children when you're when their schedule is thrown yeah. off, they have they struggle with that. Structure. They need structure. And yeah. So like I'm done. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I would love great. to actually hear from someone who is an expert in this field. I want to know how they feel about this film. Please go on our Facebook page and tell us uh, if you have an interesting perspective on, you know, mental health facilities in the, in the 60s. This would have been the early 60s and um, how things have changed and how they haven't changed since then. That would be interesting. Uh, or on our Twitters too, at Nick Vole or at Angelica Thornton K2. Angelica K2. Angelica. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I like the ending. I don't know how you felt about the ending. I really liked, um, I don't, I don't know if I knew, let me start that over. Cause I'm kind of all over the place here. Um, I like the ending with chief Samson. Um, I like that he discovers McMurphy in the bed and that he's been lobotomized. And it was this really, horribly sad moment where he embraces him uh, and then he goes into the tub room and pulls the fountain out of the ground and smashes it through the window and escapes mm -hmm. and I guess goes to Canada. I like that. I like that. It was sort of like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what we, I'm going to do what McMurphy wanted to do. And I'm going to carry out his, I don't know. I don't even want to call it a wish his plan. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good ending freedom yeah because yeah. he was a voluntary commit correct yeah i think that were, there were only like three of them right who were yeah. there involuntarily yeah. yeah uh yeah and i i like how the, the the movie didn't like they just trusted you would understand when you saw the scar he was lobotomized i felt like they did a good job of showing that and not that horror they didn't have to say anything yeah. just the the scar shows you the horror of the reality of that time. Yeah. An indictment on health, mental health care then. And it is interesting, you know, with, I mean, we do have a mental health crisis now. I mean, we, there's, you know, 
people who need help weren't able to get it. And a big part of that is because of our social safety net has been, the funding for it has been diminished. So I, I feel like I'd be interested also in hearing how things varied then versus now when it comes to the type of resources available to people. Do you think this movie is overrated? It's hard to say. You because- must if you weren't really that impressed by it because it's just like one of those top of the list kind of films. I, it's hard to say because it's so old. You know, it's impact then versus it's impact now on me. And it was so hyped before you watched it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just saw something said it was listed as like the 33rd best movie of all time. And I don't know if I would agree with that. But at the same time, all these lists are relative and subjective. So I think it's a really well-made movie. I just it just didn't grab me as much as I had hoped it was going to, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, perhaps I might appreciate it more on a second viewing with more realistic expectations. Cause I mean, that's definitely a factor, right? How much you expect a movie to, you know, what you expect a movie to be versus what it is. And that's maybe not fair to the film because then it's all about my perspective rather than what the film is trying to say. So I don't know. Um, I thought the, I thought the directing was good and the pacing was good. It was very 1970s. Yeah. Um, and I like 70s films. Yeah. I mean, I like the style of 70s films, generally speaking. I just felt because of this sort of, uh, it was a little repetitive at times with what it was doing. Does that, You know what I mean? The The, the arc of the movie was pretty flat for me. Um, he goes in, he causes some trouble, he dies, the end of movie. Yeah, it was sort of like this. Yeah. This so problem, I, Nurse Ratchet comes in, problem, Nurse Ratchet comes in. Shenanigan after shenanigan. Yeah dead yeah spoiler alert (laughs) spoiler alert for this what 47 year old film whatever it is now i do think it is the greatest film in oregon history that i've seen like if we're talking oregon movies you know you mentioned that bill in the oregon legislature i think if we're gonna have an official film i can't see any other film being it the the greatest as far as critically acclaimed um has had the most influence in pop culture and the film world, but not your favorite of the Oregon films. No, but it doesn't have to be my favorite. I can recognize that with it's the, appropriate. Yeah, right. it's appropriate to be the state film, right? I mean, my favorite is Zero Effect, which we talked about last week, but I can yeah. acknowledge that's kind of a trifle. It's not like yeah. a, a work of great, deep, enduring art. And I think that this is, and I can Please see. Please don't that. knock my new boyfriend, Bill Pullman. He's extraordinary. Hey, don't you knock my new girlfriend, Louise Fletcher. Oh, she's awesome. She's evil, but awesome. And I, uh, I, I, am, I am disgusted that she is thought of in pop culture as like this old crone in this movie. She's four years younger than I am now when they shoot this movie. So that makes me feel extremely old. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the rigid, like the the uniform and the hair. And even for the time, she was just very rigid, old nurse who I'm surprised didn't carry a paddle around and beat the patients with it. Um, but that's, I was think- she thinks I was, she's doing good. Well, I was thinking about when you, when you were saying like, is she evil or is, does she have their best intentions at heart? And really you went back and forth during their group therapy sessions because her questions back and forth to them were legit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is what would happen during group therapy now. Yeah. 
it's just those, like you said, those little extra steps she goes. When she takes it just a little too far. And I think we've all had bosses like this. And we've all had people we've had to be around who are like this, who always want to exert their little jabs and their control over you, even if it's just in their own mind. So, I mean, there is some truth to that as well. Yeah. Would you recommend this to the yeah, three I mean, people, I, to the three people out there who haven't seen it? Yeah, I would recommend it. It is an interesting movie. It's just not what I was hoping it was going to be. So I, again, we, I don't know if that's fair to the movie, um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend it. it. It is a postcard of its time. It's got some of the greatest all-time acting performances, I, I'd say. Um, I think too, it's really fun as a fan of film to see all these supporting actors who have went on to do other things that were really big. It's funny to think of Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd and Brad Dourif, who's been in a million things too, being like these unknowns in this movie. But then like, oh, Brad Dourif was Grima Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. You know, he's been in a million things. And now I'm just putting putting that together. I didn't realize that was him. That's incredible. Um, also, Danny DeVito with hair. And like playing such a sweet natured character because yes. he's made such a specialty career out of being a jerk. Yeah. It's awesome yeah. to see that side of him. And he was so believable as this sweet, innocent, you know, guy. Did you watch it with Marissa? No, she didn't want to watch it. Okay. She hadn't seen it before. Just seemed too heavy for her. We've been trying to avoid heavy films. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you thought she'd like it, but sounds like maybe not right now. Probably not. Yeah. It's just been, you know, sometimes you're in the mood for it. Sometimes Absolutely. you're not. So what are we watching next week? Well, I'm excited about this one. It's a, it's a new film. Uh, it is marks the, the Nicholas Cage cage Nicholas it's the first good Nicolas Cage movie in a long time it's pig it was shot here in Oregon it's about a man who used to be a high profile chef in Portland who now has a pig who helps him hunt truffles that he sells to restaurants someone steals his pig and he's gonna get that pig back and it's yeah. uh it's kind of a fun movie about getting into the underside of Portland's culinary scene and there's some really recognizable locales in it, including Huber's restaurant, which I think is awesome. And so it's a fun, interesting movie. I'm excited. Uh, I am intrigued by Portland's restaurant scene. I think it's such a great idea. People have recommended this to me so many times because my youngest son is obsessed with pigs, wants a pet pig. Um, and I, I actually almost uh, watched it with him, but then I realized <laughs> he's 10. I was like, yeah, you're going to have to wait on this. And it's not really about the pig. I mean, it is about the pig, but anyway, you'll all know everyone should watch it this week. So uh, when the podcast comes out next week, we can, uh, we can chat about it. We'll uh, post some comments and some questions on our Facebook page. Yeah, for sure. Um, this was a weird episode we just did because it's such a serious movie. It's like, no, there's not a lot of room for jokes. There's not a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it's more fun to hate movies. Yeah, I love picking bad ones for but you. For me. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate so, that. Um, it's just great to get Nick going on uh, a thumbs down film. It's uh, hate watching is a lot easier than just saying, oh, I loved it. It was great. What are we doing next week? Well, pig, apparently. So we'll see you. We'll see you then. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vole. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. 
follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vol. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Vole.